Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we are inching ever closer to the regular season, but we still have some interesting and fun topics to talk about when it comes to Chiefs football. So let's get to the topics. Let's introduce the guys. Like the Atlanta Falcons, he also celebrates when the job is half done. Jacob Allen is on the podcast. How are you, man? Never give more than 50% at any job. When then when you give 70%, everyone's excited. And if you give less, people don't notice as much. Like Dick Vermeil, he's also hoping for a senior nod to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Sam Black is on the podcast. What's going on, man? I'm starting to think even if it's late, it's 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 as good as it's ever gonna get. So if I can get it, I can get it. And I'm Sean Deegan, and like the trees in my backyard, I am falling apart. Let's get to the topics here. As the Chiefs came out with a victory in their second preseason game. We are going to get into that here in just a bit. But first, we have some actual news about who's going to be on the roster that came out earlier this week. A couple of surprises um, for a lot of Chiefs fans. The Chiefs did make the cut down to 80 players on the roster. It's kind of weird how they're doing it. It's like increments of five, and then it's like, and now cut everybody else. But they did release five players, those being – Defensive end Taco Charlton, defensive back Will Parks, guard Brian Witzman, linebacker Riley Cole, and quarterback Anthony Gordon. Some notable names in there, and then some guys who had performed well. Anthony Gordon, not a big name, but a guy who was in a battle for a th- for third quarterback spot on this roster. Obviously, Taco Charlton was someone we'd all talked about. I know Sam and I were high on as, as a potential high-impact rotational guy, and now no longer a part of the team. So just before we dive into anything too specific, did want to ask, were any of the cuts surprising to you guys? Um, Jacob, I'll come to you here first. Did anything kind of come out of the blue for you with these cuts? Let me start with a PSA. Uh, I am glad that I don't have cameras on me at all times because seeing the ESPN announcement of former first round pick Taco Charlton release, and then they just had a photo of him that, had had him looking up into the crowd, looking very confused. I was like, I just feel bad that they used that photo for the guy. I feel worse about that than him getting cut. I think for most Chiefs fans, the big shock of Paco Charlton, because you would have wanted to see a little more of, of him before they made the determination, but clearly that was an injury thing. And then as far as for me, actually, I thought Will Parks was the more interesting cut because – I thought he was a guy that was going to fill in well for them depth-wise where he can play corner or safety, but clearly they just didn't really like what they saw. Sam, how about you? Taco Charlton was a name that you and I talked about a lot on this podcast uh, as being a high-impact guy, maybe not necessarily a starter, but a guy who could come in and give you definitive pass rush help. Was that move surprising for you? Was there any, were any of the other cuts, ones that stood out to you as, as unexpected? I don't think any of them – were necessarily unexpected. Obviously, I kind of had hopes that Taco Charlton would be able to to come back healthy and, and return to form. But every bit of news I heard through training camp is he just didn't look well. Like he didn't look like he was healthy or back up to speed. So they're gonna they're as we talked about last week. They're gonna keep the best potentially, as you said, hopefully ten. And he's not cutting or kind of cutting the mustard with those within those guys. Um, I'm with there. I'm right there with Jacob. I, I thought Will Parks, especially thinking about our secondary kind of roster and, and our worries about it, 
I thought keeping a, a depth guy, a guy that has played in the NFL and does have the ability to play multiple positions was going to be one that we saw stick around through the season. But um, again, maybe they're just moving more towards trying to get younger and younger players than just to develop that younger talent. And he just wasn't, wasn't performing again. You didn't hear anything about him during um, training camp and you barely saw him play. Um, the one play that's notable is him getting fined for cutting an offensive lineman on an outside run. So yeah, it's, it's not surprising. Um, but obviously just our hopes never got fulfilled with Taco Charlton. I don't think. I'll be honest. I jumped a little bit when I saw the release uh, that Taco was on it and that he was not going to be a part of the Chiefs. The more I've had time to think about it, the more it makes sense just because with a guy like Taco, if it's not going to work out, that's a guy. I mean, the Chiefs have always seemingly been good about wanting to give guys time to find another team. And Taco Charlton, when he's healthy, is going to be a guy who can help the team. And Andy Reid or uh, Spagnola even talked about it in his press conference today. Andy Reid, I think, spoke to the media yesterday as we're recording this on Tuesday, the 24th. But Andy Reid talked about in his that Taco's a good player. He belongs in this league. It's just not, wasn't going to work out here. And made mention that, you know, maybe down the road they bring him back. So I think it really, like Jacob said, it, it is about health. I mean, Taco even said it uh, in, a, in a presser where he said, you know, they asked him, how's the ankle? He said, it's got good days and bad days. It's kind of an indicator that maybe it's not coming together physically for you as, as quickly as you might want. So for me, that initially Taco Charlton was the big surprise. The more I've had a chance to think about it, it's not as surprising, but still someone I, I was sad about not making the team coming into the season. Sean, one more minor surprise on that. Cutting Anthony Gordon just from a third preseason game perspective, now we know we'll see Chad Henney the first half and Shane Bouchelle the second half. It just It is kind of interesting in, in the sense of just that you will not see three quarterbacks because presumably we will not see Mahomes at all on that third game. Oh, no, man. Andy Reid said the starters might play the first half. So, you know. Yeah, that's what I heard is Andy Reid was saying that he was going to use the third as a full warm-up game uh, not a, for the starters. So Not like he's ever lied to us before or anything. Like when he says, yeah, the starters will play the first half, and they're out there for three plays, and that's it. So we'll see. But we might see Patrick Mahomes, but – I won't be surprised at all, Jacob, if they don't. Maybe it is an indicator. We do get to see more Mahomes, so happiness all around. <laughs> Fingers crossed one way or the other. Actually, I'd be fine if they wrap Mahomes up in bubble wrap and didn't play him at all until uh, September 12th with the Browns. Obviously, we talked a lot last week about the defensive line's performance and specifically some of the younger guys, guys like Tim Ward, Colin Saunders, Mike Dana, uh, Tershawn Wharton and how impressed they were with that collective's performance. What now do you think are the implications of some of these cuts when it comes to, you know, the safety group, the defensive back group as a whole, the defensive line, we kind of gave mention just a little bit to the quarterbacks. Now, what do you think comes of these cuts? What are the implications that we've seen now from this, that we think will, will come to pass uh, after this round of cuts? Um, Sam, I'll come to you here first for this one. Yeah, I think the the one thing that the more than anything, the Will Parks cutting gave me a little bit of hope on, again, something we touched on last week, which is Juan Thornhill. I think, and, and I will say that I thought, and 
I can't remember if we're getting into it later, but I thought he performed a lot better this game. I think he looked faster. He looked like he was playing at the speed we kind of expect him to and obviously had that kind of playmaking pick that he got in the end zone, which was a pretty impressive play, something that we came to expect of him in, uh, two years ago. But so I think I think that's a telling sign that, that the, they're more comfortable with the safety posi- position potential than we initially thought. And then the defensive line, I mean, I it, it is one of the deepest, maybe the deepest position on the team by far. Um, and that's why the Taco Charlton one, after, even after that first game, it didn't surprise me that he got cut because I even thought, again, Kando played well this, this game as well, um, had some good plays. So I think tell, telling-wise, I think it, it showed where their comfort level is at certain positions. Um, obviously, quarterback, I think they're pretty comfortable as well. I don't think that Gordon's going to do a whole lot to, to break that room necessarily. That's what I kind of saw with the, with these cuts is it just reassures that I think they're more comfortable with some of these positions than maybe we thought they were through training camp. Jacob, how about you? What do you think these cuts mean for some of these other players on the roster? What are the implications we should glean from this? Yeah, I think Sam stated it well. I think you kind of can look at it and say Tim Ward probably made the team at this point since he took Taco Charlton's assumed spot. He might still be in a battle. Well, he's probably not in a battle with Alex Oak before they bring different things to the team. But the other one, yeah, I think you, I think it is telling that there is a little more trust in Juan Thornhill than a lot of us have been led to believe. So I think Sam did nail it with, you know, just kind of what were the implications there. And that Shane Buckle, Butchel or Bouchel, however you say it. Bouchel, I believe is how it's pronounced. Boucher, Shane Boucher. He is, he is from Texas, so you got to put a, put a draw on there. <laughs> Bouchelle. Y'all remember the time so Shane Bouchelle came in the first preseason game of the year and won the, won the game for the Chiefs, do you? But I think it also says that, hey, that's probably their practice squad guy. For me, it, says, it said a couple of things. It said that Sam Ward definitely made the team, number one. Number two, it also means to me that Damone Harris may have made the team if Alex Okafor goes on IR. If Okafer is not healthy and they decide to put him on IR, I think Damone Harris makes the team because that's 10. I also think this might, to me, this says with Will Parks getting cut, Dave Tobe won the room and Armani Watts gets to stick around for another year. Then Dave, obviously Armani Watts hasn't performed on the field as a safety necessarily the way that we were initially hoping him, he would. He just hasn't had you know the snaps. For whatever reason, the coaches deemed that he's not, not the guy to get those snaps. But there's all, any beat reporter you've ever talked to is that Dave Tobe loves Armani Watson special teams. And he has a huge voice in deciding who stays based on that. So I think Armani Watts probably, may, as somebody I thought was a guy on the fritz, uh, especially bringing in somebody like Will Parks, who's a veteran who can play multiple positions. I, I think Armani Watts just made this football team. Obviously, we got a big old cut down coming up after this last preseason game. Uh, last preseason game is going to be against the Vikings on the 27th. So this coming Friday. So when this podcast drops, it'll be tomorrow when that game is. And then I believe the beginning of next, that following week is when they'll be forced to get down to a 53 man roster. Who else do we think is on the chopping block? Who that we don't expect to be there. Taco Charlton, Will Parks, we've kind of given our varying degrees of surprise or not. Who's a, a guy that would definitely surprise you that you predict 
is going to get cut. Um, Jacob, I'll come to you here first this time. So just to clarify on this question, I think there's a lot of guys that we know probably won't make the squad. Your typical, hey, you're going to get sent to the practice squad type guy. So somebody that would, some people that could be true surprises. So my first one is going to be my biggest swing and the, you know, the biggest, you know, probably not, but it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. And I would wonder if Frank Clark might get cut with the depth that's on the line. They're going to cut him next year regardless, unless he comes out, like we've said, and has a monster season, meaning a 10-sack-plus season. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know that the Chiefs have a ton of faith that he thinks it's going to happen. They don't save hardly any money if they do it at 850000 But I think the thing that got me thinking about this was cutting Taco Charlton because of health. Frank Clark isn't necessarily the healthiest guy himself either, so that would be my biggest swing on a guy. Now, the other ones that I think would be almost as crazy as that one would be cutting either Noah Gray or Cornell Powell. Neither guy has gotten too great of rave reviews out of out of training camp slash the two preseason games. And with a little bit of the news of Jody Fortson getting Sean's, you know, kiss of love from Dave Tobe. Jody Fortson may have made the team because of what he was said about him being able to play special teams, which then are you going to keep four tight ends just because it would be a personnel decision that people will go back and forth on whether you carry three or four, you see both things happen, but that would be another one. And then the wide receiver room is just going to be the one that I think people are watching because there's debate after you get through the first couple of guys. So those would probably be my, okay, that would be a big surprise cut without me going any further so that I don't steal every single person that you could cut on this team for Sam and Sean get to go. Sam, how about you? What's a name that you have or a couple names that you have that you think would be a surprise cut but that you think have a legitimate chance to get cut? I'm actually, I, I, I was along the same lines with Jacob with thinking about Powell and, and uh, Noah Gray I just don't think they'll cut rookies. I, I think they're going to try to keep that talent around. Um, it does sound like, again, they said it on the broadcast. So I haven't researched too much into it, but it sounds like Andy Reid was indicating that Powell may be finally starting to get the offense. Again, it's a, it's a complex offense that a rookie has to come into for both those guys having to learn that. So it's not a surprise that we're seeing defensive players pick it up a lot quicker than some of our offensive rookies. But I will stick with tight ends, and I think the one that's getting cut is Blake Bell. Even though they signed him to uh, just a one-year, it'll be a very similar situation to Taco Charlton where they signed him to a one-year deal and then let him go before the season even starts. So I think I think we will keep three tight ends, but I don't think Blake Bell is going to be a part of that because you haven't even really seen him in the first two games. You saw him a little bit in the first game. I didn't see him at all this game. So I really think they're going to keep Fortson and then uh, Noah Gray as the two tight ends. And then I really think a guy like Allegretti's gone. I mean, he's even though he's kind of we were worried about the offensive line depth, I just can't see them keeping a guy like that when we saw him not even play well against second stringers this week. Uh, well, I think the offensive line played pretty well as a whole, but had a really bad off, off uh, false start. And just I think he might be a maybe surprise cut because of the positional depth that we talk about with offensive line. My guy is uh, one we've already mentioned you know, that Jacob kind of alluded to with the wide receiver group, and that's Demarcus Robinson. I do think that 
there is a, a large discussion to be had about who's the, the wide receiver two on this team. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I think this past week showed that while the number one guy is obviously Hill, they're really trying to work Hardman into different roles. Eric Bianami came out and talked today about how they had, instead of Hardman playing his natural stuff, they had him running all of Tyreek's routes so that he could kind of get more acclimated with that side of the with that side of the field and those responsibilities. So it sounds like McColl is going to be pushed for that two spot, but it seems like if somebody were to go down the depth behind it, while none of them are big names, there is a lot of talent there. Uh, guys like Darius Fountain, I really impressed me uh, with his, for a guy, his size was looked very athletic in a route that they hit him over the top uh, on the, on well, what looked like a go route, but him being able to get that clean release off the line I just really liked what I saw. Byron Pringle, I've been very pro Byron Pringle for quite a long time, and he did nothing to dissuade me of that and looked really sharp. And again, to Jacob's point, I don't think they're going to cut rookies. I think it's really hard for a coach to cut a draft pick. And I think especially with a guy like a Cornell Powell, like that's a a tough cut when it's somebody that you're hoping will fill, as they talked about on draft day, an expert receiver position. And – Again, I don't think Demarcus Robinson's career as a chief was ever in jeopardy due to his special teams play. But hearing the things that Dave Tobe talked about Demarcus Robinson as flaws were the things that Jacob has hammered on that we've all hammered on, which is he holds the football like a loaf of bread out at arm's length. He doesn't run north to south. He's a sideline to sideline, try to make a guy miss and, and be real shifty kind of guy. And for a guy his size and his speed – if he just go north to south, he'd probably do very, very well, but he doesn't do that. And so even though the things were brought up to a special teams coach, or they were brought up by a special teams coach, I should say, that would be negatives about him. I think those are things that are negatives about him regardless of where he plays. So he'd be my prediction as a surprise cut. I want to push back on both of you guys for a quick second real fast. First off, I agree with Demarcus Robinson. That could be an interesting one. I think you'll we'll get a lot of insight this week and see, you know, where do some of those younger receivers play? If you get to see Darius Fountain with the ones or right with the twos, there might be something there to say, hey, they might cut a guy that's been around for a little bit. Also, who's carrying their loaves of bread the way Demarcus Robinson carries the football? Who's palming their loaf of bread when they're getting it at the store? Because that phrase has never made any sense to me. I need a I hit us up on any of our media platforms. Uh, we need at least two comments. That would be a record for us. We need a new phrase for carrying the ball loosely. You've never but, swung a loaf of bread before? You see, but yeah, but you're holding it from the string there. Yeah, you don't like palm the middle of the loaf. No. And no. smash it. That's true. <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's what people are doing with a loaf of bread. And then I do want to quickly push back on Sam's just for one second because I like to disagree with Sam uh, and also re-agree with Sean and say, yeah, they're, cutting the rookies is crazy because you don't cut young, controllable talent. It's easier to cut the guys like Blake Bell on a one-year deal because it's like, hey, we only had him for one year. If we try to resign him, we don't know what kind of money it's going to cost us versus the rookies. You know, okay, we've got him for four years at this price. So it's tough to say cut that guy. And again, like you said, and we always mention age, age keeps health. But the only reason I couldn't say Blake Bell and the reason my cut would have been at Noah Gray is because then you have zero tight ends that really block well. So that would be the only reason I'd push back on Blake Bell. That's, I think that's a relatively fair point. 
if we had a terrible offensive line still, but uh, that seems to be the opposite of what we're dealing with. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay not having a perfectly good blocking tight end anymore. But no, I think the one thing I wanted to bring up with Sean's point is Marks Robinson a good. It, I think the the biggest support to your theory is how well we've seen both Mike Hughes and Jarek McKinnon play in special teams. And then we know what Byron Pringle could do. And then obviously McCall Hardman and, and Tyreek when they need it. So he his his one saving grace of that. He used to be a punt returner is dwindling quickly. So that that's actually a really good shout on him. I will say I did have a, I had one originally, even before you sent us the, the rundown, Sean, I thought this was going to be kind of potentially going to be a question and it was going to be Darwin Thompson until I actually watched the game. And we'll get into that later. <laughs> it's going to be a weird cut. Because, like, Demarcus Robinson, the, the, the thing that I see a lot of commentators, bloggers, et cetera, the guys at Kansas City Sports Network are also, like, Matt Lane, Craig Stout, Ken Swanson, have been not adamant and makes it sound too extreme. They're just like, you know, I, I get why people would think this about Demarcus Robinson, given what Dave Tobe said at his press conference. But – Remember, he has a really good relationship with Patrick Mahomes and does very well on the breakdown plays, which is true. DeMarcus Robinson does very well on plays that fall apart, tends to find seams, tends to know when to go or come back to the ball for Patrick and has a good relationship with him there. Okay, Sean, sorry, quick one more last thing on DeMarcus Robinson. I'm also not sure I've ever seen somebody make more guys miss without getting any yards than DeMarcus Robinson. Anytime he fields a punt, he makes five guys miss. Problem is, he gets about zero yards when he does it. So, sorry, just one last thing. No more missing comments. No more loaf of bread comments. Again, hit us up. I need to know. We're, we're abandoning carrying like a loaf of bread because nobody has any other term. Yeah, it's fair. And now, I, that is actually something Dave Tobe says. Like, there might not be anybody on our team better at making guys miss in the open field. Like, he, he might be the best. But he doesn't get any yards. doesn't run north and south. And I think you've started to see – Guys like Byron Pringle earn a relationship with Patrick Mahomes. You know, McCole Hardman, they had running routes. He doesn't normally run to try and build a relationship with Patrick Mahomes for those specific responsibilities, as opposed to what he was normally asked to do. They don't ask Demarcus Robinson to do those things. And then you have younger, cheaper talent with guys like a Jarese Fountain, who, like I said, already impressed me. Marcus Kemp is a Dave Tobe darling with his special teams play and has had a good camp and has had moments in the preseason games where he's looked very solid. So I think all of those things combined added on to the idea that I already believe that the chiefs are going to try and keep 10 defensive linemen and potentially as many offensive linemen as they can. Sean, let me stop you for, let me stop you for a quick second since you're moving away from receivers. Thank you for not entertaining the idea that Garrett Dieter would make the team because he's Patrick Mahomes friend. (laughs) I've heard that on so many different platforms lately, but I'm like, what, how do you seriously because he's Patrick Mahomes friend? This is not Randall Cobb. We're talking about. So thank you. Eric Fisher was Patrick Mahomes friend and they cut him immediately. So uh, it's, it's not always a thing. The guys know who are, who can help them win. And guys who are as fiercely competitive as Patrick Mahomes need that. So, no, I, I think that your friend, and that's the thing, it's like a relationship may not be enough to save you, which is why I pick DeMarcus in this particular case. All right, let's talk about the actual game 
on the field. As I mentioned before, Chiefs won the second preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals 17-10. Again, the part we know is the most important for preseason is getting that W. No one cares about the W. So, Seriously, that's, that, that doesn't matter at all to Kyler Murray, which just strengthens my thought that they're going to go 8-8-1 eight, eight this year. God, I hope you're right. That would be hilarious. Now, last week we talked about position groups in relation to performances within the game. We focused on defensive line. We focused on offensive line, cornerback groups. We talked about them as kind of in a, to- a totalitarian sense. This week I wanted to talk about and get your guys' opinions on individuals. Who's an individual or two or however many, you know, as long as we're not here until, you know, midnight, it's fine with me. But who's an individual who impressed you this week? Maybe not necessarily a position group, but a guy who stood out to you and how he performed against the Cardinals. Um, Sam, I'll come to you first here this time. This week just fortified my impressions and my of how much he's impressed me, his style of play, and how much, again, he reminds me of a guy that we just let or we let walk, which is Mike Hughes. He played really well. Again, just really reminds me of Rashard Breland. Got, even got beat a couple of times this week and made up for it by knocking balls loose, um, by just being a very heads-up football player. Because, I mean, the two, the two uh, drops he forced, he, he was beat. And he just did that little bit to, to make sure that the receiver didn't catch the ball. So he, he's a guy that just continually impresses me every, every bit I've watched him. Outside of that, I mean, I won't go – I'm focusing more on guys that are our primary starters. I, I kind of mentioned I thought, I thought Thornhill looked quite a bit better this game. Um, I thought his speed was back to what we expect. And, again, we kind of saw that, as I mentioned, the playmaking ability that we came to expect um, when he was fully healthy. And then, again, Darwin Thompson, it, it's going to be a hard running back group to break into. After last week, he would have been my guy that was probably going to get cut. He ran well this week. The only thing I have to say is he needs to stop watching the Olympic hurdles and stop <laughs> trying to jump over NFL players. Because I know he's done it in the past, but trying it twice in one game in points where it made no sense whatsoever to do it, yeah, that just didn't didn't wasn't a good look for him the enemy said in his press conference today is like you're five six lower your shoulder no one's getting underneath your pad level stop trying to make it easier for him it was hilarious i'd encourage anybody to go back and listen to it uh, jacob what about you who's a guy that impressed you with their play uh, against the cardinals this past week i'm gonna go with sorry i thought for a little bit i did like the o-line still a few more mistakes this week you know just guys slow or taking or taking bad angles to attack, but nothing that ended up greatly hurting the team. You know, like for example, there was like a Creed Humphrey block where like he seemed to half step behind and it didn't let them open up a running lane, but it didn't necessarily, you know, end up with a tackle on the backfield. But I like the overall play of the offensive line again. They just keep continuing to maul guys on a couple plays. I think there's I think I counted three plays where right off the snap center of the Cardinals defense was three yards down the field and they're a good defense. But if I'm going to single out a guy, again, Mike Dana, he just keeps showing me athleticism that I didn't realize he had. He had a – and I think Sean and I had the same agreement during live game where he made a tackle out in the flat, and we both thought it was a linebacker that had done it because of just how easily he wrangled him in and didn't let the guy slip him. So he is mine. He is my, wow, I'm impressed, which has also led to my, hey, you can cut Frank Clark. 
I've got a couple, which is new for me, but uh, Colin Saunders. And it wasn't even necessarily a play that was a positive play for the Chiefs, but he is a, the running play that ended up, I think, with a first down or close to it. And Colin Saunders, you can see him realize that the guy's going to get to the sideline. And he just turned – this is the weirdest thing to say about a guy who probably weighs like 320, 330 pounds. But he turned on the Jets, and he made the play and pushed the guy out of bounds. I want to real quick jump in on that, John. I want them to keep Colin Saunders just so I can watch that man run down because he is a legitimate bowling ball that is actually really fast, and it's hilarious. I can't imagine how how athletic that individual actually is, but just watching him next to a bunch of guys that – they're six five and he's six foot and seem to be about as round as he is tall at times. It just moving downfield is awesome. It's it's one of my favorite things. It is absolutely one of my favorite things. I, I lost reception there for a second. We're talking about backup middle linebacker Colin Saunders, right? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. That was one of the funniest things I've seen over the last couple of years for Chiefs football was him lining up at middle linebacker and then that smile going off my face because I was like, uh, he's actually moving well enough to be a linebacker out there. You could play him at the Sam and be completely fine. Like, you would not hurt. No, he, and, and even and I, I pick out that play because it was a showcase of athleticism, but he looks really good. Like, he's been getting pushed. He's been whole, taking on double teams. Like, he looks really good at defensive tackle. So he's, he's one of mine. Uh, the next one is I'm, I'm, I'm doubling down all pro Legere Sneen, how he reads plays and his toughness and physicality it, are just sensational. The first play of the game for the Cardinals, Legere Sneed takes on what I thought was either a very small offensive lineman or a very large tight end sheds the block and makes the tackle and keeps it to a two yard gain as a cornerback who looks like he's 185 pounds is amazing. I, I just, he's, he's a very good cover corner. He's not, I don't know if he's got elite yet. We'll see this coming year, what improvements he's made. Cause he was already, I thought really good last season, but just everything else he does, man, with the blitzes coming off the edge uh, from the nickel, his ability to cover outside or inside uh, the ability and willingness to be physical and help with run support. He's sensational. Uh, and then the last guy is one that I, I think a lot of fans have probably heard about, but just to bring up his name again, uh, this guy, Chris Jones, uh, he's really good at football. And uh, the thing that I was really sad about last two weeks ago against the 49ers is he didn't get to go up against a top tier tackle this week. He did. I didn't know a lot about this guy prior, but coming into 2021, this is an article off a uh, site called Athlon Sports. They did a top 10 offensive linemen or offensive tackles in the league. And DJ Humphreys of the Cardinals is one of them. Last year in 2020, he allowed three sacks and a total of 23 pressures in 695 pass block snaps. So just as pass blocks and had hardly any penalties this that season. And Chris Jones abused him just abused him with great hand fighting and an elite athleticism. It was awesome. So those individuals, obviously Chris Jones, one we expect to stand out, but just getting to see it against a top tackle was really exciting. And the other two, I've, I've really high hopes for their, this coming season. Sean, I'm with you on the Chris Jones. He looks like a man on a mission. I said it on Twitter, but he seems like a guy that's tired of hearing the phrase after Aaron Donald. 
he is trying to get to that level. I think, I think he's trying to be like, no, it's the two of us in a group and everybody else. Uh, the other funny one I was thinking about as you were talking about Legarius Sneed, he timed a blitz so well this week that I think he surprised himself because he ended up getting to too fast and fell down and then did not make the play. It, God, it did technically result in a sack or a push or a technically a force out, but it counts as a sack. It's just he didn't look great doing it. <laughs> He, you can tell he surprised himself. Yeah. Right. He's like, oh, I'm here already. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nobody blocked him, and I don't think he real. I think he thought he was about to get chipped by the running back, and the running back didn't chip him, so it threw off his feet. Sean, we do need to start a running count with Chris Jones of how many sacks he gets at the end and how many he has at defensive tackle because he's at one and one right now just through the preseason. <laughs> what this season is going to make me want to do if he performs in the season the way he did – does this preseason is I'm going to want to go back and watch how many times Chris Jones has been double teamed in his time with Kansas city, because he's one-on-one with the tackle. I mean, he made a pro bowl caliber player look like he didn't belong. He just destroyed him. And I started going back and looking at some of the like old JJ Watt footage just to see like, you know, prime JJ Watt, like what did he do when, cause they moved JJ all over the place on the defensive line. And it just didn't matter where he was. He was elite. And to this point, Chris Jones has really only seen it any significant time at defensive tackle. And he's been large, you know, as we've said, the second best defensive tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Donald. And a lot of the things that JJ does inside are things that you kind of see Chris Jones do as well. The only difference is I think that Chris Jones, when he realizes he's not going to get home, stops and looks to swat more versus J.J. Watt, who was just like, I'm getting there, and I might take three of you with me, but I'm going to get there. And Chris I, is I, more thought of, like, I got to get that ball down quickly. I would like to counter that statement. There is a reason J.J. Watt was known as J.J. Swat, because he was very good at doing that as well. well he was very <laughs> I was just about to say, you're going to offend the guy who names his fantasy football team J.J. Swat. Yeah. I don't so, think it wasn't great anything. I'm just saying the film that I saw, it was just like, it didn't matter if there were three guys. JJ just kind of put them on his shoulders and said, we're all going to go. You can try to stop me, but it's not say, I'll just give you, I'll give you the accurate statement. They are both very big man with big hands that can knock down passes <laughs> and not to make this whole uh, podcast about food, but because, you know, we've already had bread. Now we're going to pancakes. I will also like them to keep track of defensive pancakes because I think Chris Jones is going to be piling those up this year. Or wait, Very sorry, awesome. stacking those up. Oh, nice. Thank you. Nice play. So before we before we move off of uh, just general impressions, I do want to say one of the things that impressed me a lot this week was our run defense. Not defensive as a whole, just the run defense aspect. Do we want to have a poll as to how many 100-yard yard rushers the Chiefs allow this year? Ooh, I'd like because that. I can see it being less than three or three or less. With the bodies they have inside now, you know, one guy we never talk about because he's just not flashy is Derek Naughty, but I dare you to find me a better run defender right now and inside. Like he, he knows exactly what his job is and he does it very well. And if you put him next to a big body guy like Colin Saunders, who's also very quick, or then obviously, you know, Jaron Reed coming in and being, very good at whatever you want him to do. I, I could buy three. 
I was going to say it hasn't seemed to be the problem it's been in the past. And the other thing that works in the Chiefs' favor is the style of games they will always play in at this point of just the other teams trying to keep up with Mahomes. So the other team is going to be trying to throw the ball a lot. So I'm with you. I, I'll be a little less conservative and say five just because there are some times where teams get just some garbage 100-yard runners. I mean, the Broncos' Melvin Gordon had – 100-yard game because he had one 80-yard run. So I'm just going to say five to be a little less a little less conservative than you guys, but I'm with you and just that the defense was the highlight of the game of just, wow, there's some depth in a lot of places there. Now, sticking with the individual stuff, because it is harder to – because how well everybody played, it's very easy for us to just kind of go, yeah, that defense was awesome because they really were. Like I thought about opening this show with the game and saying, and looking back at this past game, seeing the 2000 Ravens, I mean, 2021 Chiefs because of how well they played. But sticking with the individuals, is there a player who you think made this team based off their performance in the second game? Now, I know, Jacob, you said it earlier, and Andy Reid has said the third game is going to be you know, treated like the third game of a preseason the way they did last year versus – you know, how they might have treated the fourth preseason game last year where it's just a bunch of backups. So we'll see who gets real time. But is there a guy that you thought made the team based on his performance uh, who may not have – you might have thought was on the bubble uh, based on his performance here? Jacob, we'll come back to you here. Yeah, I won't be too creative on this one and just continually bring up the same guys. I think Tim Ward fortified his spot, and I do think Jody Fortson, after the comments you heard from Dave Tobe, solidified a spot. So two guys that have been fighting for a roster spot for a while, so it is nice to see those work-hard guys get rewarded. So we'll see if it comes true, but to me it sounds like those are two guys that have been trying for a while that will get a spot. Sam, what about you? Uh, Is there a guy that, based on what you saw in this game against the, the Cardinals, made the team who may not, you may not have thought that about necessarily? Uh, I kind of tipped my hand when I said the guys impressed me, but it's, it's Darwin Thompson. I, I, after the first game, I was like, yeah, he's not making the team and he played really well in this game. Um, so I think, I think he did a lot to elevate his stock within a relatively busy running back group. Maybe not again, not the elite of elite, but there are a lot of names or a lot of guys in that, in that running back room for sure. And then obviously with uh, Williams going down with a concussion, I think that just kind of certifies that he's probably going to make the team. I like that one a lot. That was one I was certain was going to get cut. I actually told one of my friends, uh, Sam Kendrick, guy who we brought up here on the podcast before, he was asking, what did you think about Darwin Thompson in the game? I was like, pretty sure he's going to get cut. And he was like, I think he's running really well. And I responded like, yeah, no, I think he's doing really well, but I think it's going to be a numbers game. And then Daryl Williams has the concussion. And I'm like, hold on between that performance and a concussion protocol, like he might make the team and, and stick for a minute. My guy to be a little bit different is uh, Darius Fountain. I do think that, you know, if my surprise cut's going to be, oh God, his name just went out of my head, Demarcus Robinson, then I think Darius Fountain is going to be one of the guys that fills that role. I think he actually, Sam, fits more of the prototypical X receiver that you've talked about a lot on this podcast where he's, a much larger receiver and has shown the ability to kind of play those slant routes, intermediate routes, but then also in this last game showed the athleticism to go over the top when needed. So again, granted against lesser competition, but he did what you're supposed to do when you're playing someone who's not as good as you, he beat them. So I think for me, he was, he was my guy. My dad, man can take a hit. 
Yeah. Because he got yeah, he over the middle this week. <laughs> oh, man, he can. And then uh, another one just to throw in somebody from the defensive side, Damone Harris, I think. Again, depending on what happens with Alex Okafer, uh, I still think based on his performance is a guy who, again, he's running with threes. So it's it's a competition thing, and it's it's kind of one of those things that you're, you're guesstimating based off of just what they're doing on the field at that time. But he's a guy I thought might end up making the roster based off his performance on the field. We cut, you mentioned him earlier, Sam, but I wanted to get a definitive statement from you guys on this player. We had talked a lot last week about Juan Thornhill and how the Chiefs had used him in the preseason to this point. The things we were hearing from the beat writers coming out of camp that he's not getting much run with the ones and it's definitely not consistent when he does. He's just doesn't look a hundred percent there. You know, Nate Taylor, the athletic talked about he's hurt. He had multiple sources tell him completely different things. So he wasn't going to make a definitive conclusion on something where it's like, yeah, he's not healthy at all. And other people are like, no, he's a hundred percent. It's just like, nobody knew what was going on with Juan Thornhill. And I asked the question last week, when do we get concerned? And Sam, you and you and Jacob both actually, you were first. And what resounded in my head was you just said, now, now we're concerned, which I agreed with. This week, Juan Thornhill starts with the ones and looks like Juan Thornhill, the one that we've come to know and love from his rookie year. Just going back around to you, Sam, because you had mentioned that you were impressed by his performance, but are you still worried about Juan Thornhill or was this performance enough to alleviate your concern regarding him? Does it alleviate it? Yes, it definitely, it showed me that he's healthy, not only because we saw kind of the burst of speed and athleticism that he was kind of known for. He played basically the entire game in a preseason game. So they obviously wanted to give him a run to make sure that works. And I think it worked pretty well. I think he showed that, yeah, I'm, I'm back. I don't think he's developed, and maybe this might be part of being injured for as long as he has been, that he hasn't developed his mental part of the game or the the feel for the game, as I would hope to this point as a now third-year player. But the fact that the athleticism seemed to be back, and, and again, that pick was just – I'll bring it up for a third time. It was a pretty impressive play, and that's that's what he was touted to be was just kind of that playmaking middle fielder that we've been looking for to go along with Tyron Matthew. And so, yeah, definitely alleviated my worry. It showed that, okay, even if it takes him a little bit more time to develop, if he's not what we would hope he'd be at the third year point, as long as that athleticism is back and he's showing that, yes, I can play this position in the NFL, it makes me much more comfortable um, as far as that, that safety position goes. Jacob, what about you? Was Juan Thornhill's performance enough to make to take away your concerns, say, nope, I'm good with where he's at at this point. Definitely brought the concern level down. And you're you're both right in the sense of it now it seems like they're almost trying to get his legs under him. So it was good seeing him with the ones. It was great seeing him make that phenomenal interception. Sound a little bit like Jim Rome there. I apologize. Uh, but yeah, I think at this point it just and more so now it looks like okay, he's not in the doghouse. Now it looks like he they're trying to get him as many reps as possible to get his legs back to what they once were. Yeah. For me, it completely took away all of my concern. And, and I, I grant you good listener. And you've, if you've been listening for any length of time, you've probably heard it said 
several times. I am the biggest emotional swing person on this podcast. It is not hard to get me fired up. And then I will come completely crashing back down later. So Juan Thornhill's play in this game made me think, oh, he's going to be completely fine. I'm not concerned about him whatsoever at this point. It wasn't just, I mean, the pick was a tremendous display of athleticism, but what that kind of said to me, because you had to get, he had to get a great break on the ball. He had to read it correctly. He had to explode to it quickly. And then he had to lay out and go get it. And to me, what that play says, it's not just, oh, wow, great athleticism or great read or anything. It's I'm comfortable with my body at this point. The injury is not nagging me anymore. I felt like I could completely explode, go hundred percent and make a play. So when I saw him do that, for me, that was the only thing left. It's like, is he just not healthy? What's, what's the deal with Thornhill? Seeing that and seeing him still make the plays that we think he can make took away all of my concern about Juan Thornhill. Yeah, and I, I, mine was actually my, my initial reaction of, okay, maybe he's just needing to get some time play, was actually the play where Mike Hughes broke up the pass on the sideline because Thornhill closed real fast on that play. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that, that's – I remember he used to be fast, and he's maybe fast again. So, yeah, it, it's a good sign for sure that he's displaying the athleticism and, and showing that he's in shape. I think the fact – that's the big thing, the fact that he played basically the whole game is that's that showing that he's not only healthy but has returned to what the form he needs to play in the NFL is as far as, as, far as his fitness. All right, so the next topic, our third down, if you will, is more of a broader term. Again, kind of maybe going back to the groups. Uh, could be an individual with these questions. Who knows? We'll see what the guys say. And that is our, what are our still outstanding concerns or surprises? Specifically, maybe more a better way to say this are the strengths and weaknesses. So first, I want to start with the strengths. What is a part of this team that – now that we've had a chance to see them play a couple of games, we've gotten to see the starters being on the field for us an extended period of time. What do you believe is a definitive strength? And maybe one, and even if it's one that you didn't expect to be a strength that you look at now and go, that's going to be a centerpiece of this team going forward into the season. Um, Jacob, I'll come to you here first on this one. Yeah, previously mentioned it, defensive line depth and then also corner depth. I think those are going to be two strengths that I have already pegged for a lot of the reasons I've already said. So I won't elaborate and, you know, beat you with a beat you with the same thing over in your head numerous times. What about JJ? He seemed to either agree or disagree with you since you're his father. Uh, what did he think? He thought, you know, you ask obvious questions, you get obvious answers. And he said, <laughs> Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is good. He's <laughs> a smart kid. Sam, what about you? What do you think is going to be a, a definitive strength for the Chiefs? Maybe one that you didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, I actually, I agree completely with Jacob with the depth aspect, but I take it even further as just an overall team depth because when we went into the breakdown and, and I was looking to, okay, who's a surprise cut? I could have just started counting surprise cuts because I'm like, man, there are a lot of players on this team that I'm going to be surprised if get cut, they get cut. It just, the entire team, maybe bar the offensive line because of some injuries uh, with Kyle Long, uh, specifically Kyle Long is, is just incredibly, incredibly deep outside of that. It's 
the play of the corners because I, I think in kind of mimicking Jacob a little bit here, um, not necessarily the depth of the corners, but the surprise of that was our biggest concern going into the season. And to this point, it has not been a concern of mine whatsoever watching the team. Is just that we have been able to find, Brett Beach has been able to find these maybe diamond in the rough guys, guys that were maybe failed at their first team and be able to bring them in and just to this point, again, preseason only, we're, we're not saying that they're all-stars already, but guys like Mike Hughes come in and, and seem to be the quote-unquote potential solution that we've been looking for. So overall team depth and then just the, the high-quality cornerback play that I think we've been seeing out of the guys that we were slightly suspect of going into the first going into the preseason. Yeah, for me, it's it's the secondary number one. I I was so sure that was going to be the biggest weakness on this team. And after seeing Mike Hughes really seemingly take over that that second, that third cornerback role, technically it's it looks like a second. He's playing outside when Sneed kicks in, but that third cornerback slot and just play terrific football overall. I, I feel very confident knowing that with Sneed, Traverius Ward, and Mike Hughes, who I thought all three played very well against the Cardinals, you're going to have a really good base and then the depth behind them with a reliable slot guy like Fenton. DeAndre Baker is still getting healthy but has looked solid through the preseason games thus far. Uh, you've, you've got some legitimate depth uh, with your secondary at this point. And that doesn't even include the safeties, which I thought were probably going to be the biggest strength of the team with, you know, your, your Tyron Matthews, if Juan Thornhill came back and then if you let a role player be a role player, Dan Sorensen's a really nice piece to have. So I, to me, the secondary is definitively a strength for this team. If, if things continue to progress as, as they progress thus far. On the flip side of that, no team is perfect. Everybody has things to work on. Any player or coach will always tell you that. So we wanted to ask that question. What is a weakness that you think could hurt the Chiefs? Is there something that may be obvious to us as fans that, or maybe isn't so obvious that could be a weakness for the Chiefs going into this season? We'll flip things around. Sam, we'll come to you here first for this one. Yeah, since Jacob always disagrees with me, I'm going to disagree with Jacob's son and say that Patrick Mahomes has some stuff to work on. And what I mean by that is he no longer has two offensive tackles that will get run over. He has two offensive tackles that are going to get run around. And so when he bails out left or right, he actually puts the offensive line in worse shape than if he were to step up in the pocket. And that's when he threw that interception. That was a great interception. Again, that guy couldn't have done a better job taking that ball away from Patrick Mahomes. But we saw that he had the ability to step up in the pocket and he's still having to get used to having big physical offensive tackles that guys can't blow through. They have to go around and he's going to have to learn how to step up. So again, it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of like not, not the biggest deal in the world, but it's going to be something that he has to learn outside of that. I think our biggest weakness, which is slightly surprising because it was an area that I thought we were going to be improved over this year was his linebacker. I, I just haven't, they haven't played up to the skill level. And again, Willie Gay coming off uh, concussion protocol. And, but I didn't think he looked spectacular at all in this game. I thought he kind of looked just meh. 
And then um, Bolton hasn't impressed me a whole lot to this point, but we haven't got to see him a crazy bunch, a crazy amount this year, which is kind of what we expected. He's probably not going to start, so um, he kind of gets to sit back and learn. But yeah, the linebackers haven't been too terribly impressive, which I guess at the at the end, if it's the worst that we were dealing with last year, of hey, they didn't mess up, I guess we can deal with it. I just hoped over a little better. Jay, what about you? Is there a weakness on this team that you think could hurt the Chiefs going into the season? Sam just disgraced my son, so I don't really know how to speak anymore. (laughs) Find Sam and murder him. So I I can't. But actually, to Sam's point, 100% agree on Mahomes of, you're right, he's going to have to break that habit of, okay, I have to run away. And I think it'll be a quick adjustment. I think it'll be, it's still in his style to step up and go between the guard and tackle because that is something he, we've seen in the past that he likes to do. And I think he, that will be the adjustment he makes because it is kind of weird that he doesn't always love to stay in the pocket and feels more comfortable once he starts rolling and running around, which of course is exciting for us to watch. So I'm not going to complain about that, but it's gotta be option number three to throw to because Tyree Hill being out was a little bit scary this week because and there were times where you felt like, okay, who do you throw the ball to now? Because Travis Kelsey is clearly double covered and Cole Hardman is still not getting open. So that would be my area of concern. Uh, and I'm with you too, Sam, on I think you could put a flag on linebackers because they, you know, for the draft capital they've invested in them, we haven't seen play that excites you thus far. Also, are any of the 40 numbered linebackers uh, can anybody name any of the 40 numbered linebackers? Cause I cannot each t- each week so far. I've been like, who in the world is that? I think one's last name is Cobb. The other, and one of them's last name is Harris. That's the only thing I know is I'm pretty sure that's the last names of both of them. That is correct. Omari Cobb is number 48. Uh, and Darius Harris is 47. Emmanuel Sw- Smith is 43. And then obviously Dorian or Daniel is 44. I got. I'm a 50 uh, percent student, quick. so I'm, I'm I'm not probably not passing that, that class. <laughs> uh, quick, quick question for you guys. We'll make another prediction tonight. Do any of the 40 numbered linebackers make the squad? No. Cobb and Cobb and Harris do just because they're special teams players. I actually, that's my weakness on the team is actually linebacker depth. Like I think that, especially if Anthony Hitchens goes down. That's that's the guy who sets your defense. And then you're left with Ben Neiman, who I think is a guy who can set your defense. Like he knows the playbook very well and, and is a smart player, which is why they like him. And but he just doesn't have the same athleticism or burst, even that a guy like Hitchens does. Even that a guy like, you know, uh, Nick Bolton does in, in cover like Nick, Nick Bolton isn't necessarily the most athletic guy in coverage because he got burned by Blake Bell in practice once. But Sean, let me chime in real fast. That video terrified me. Oh so if anybody hasn't seen that video, it terrified me. And I was I instantly regretted being in love with Mick Bolton for a moment there. So I'm very hesitant right now to give him any praise. Well, and that's my thing. Is like I think Nick Bolton's gonna be a good player. Like I really do. I think he will be a good player. I just wonder, I just worry about if, especially if Hitchens goes down. You're left with a lot of unproven talent in the middle again, which was a problem for the Chiefs. Really going back to 2018, the middle of that deep that defensive second level has not been super strong. 
So I am hopeful that everybody stays healthy and that way you're not asking role players or special teamers to do things that they aren't necessarily comfortable doing. All right. Last thing for tonight, and we will wrap things up. This is just going to be a fun fourth down, a fun game. We've been doing these the preseason just because, you know, it's, it's the preseason. It's the off season. Let's, let's goof around a little bit while we can, before we really dive into analyzing games and players and such from the regular season starts. So this segment is titled glad we aren't them. And I've pulled three headlines from around the league or three story points from around the league. And I just want your guys' reaction to them. That's all I want. We can bag on these teams as much as we want. The first one is, Jacob, you'll probably have seen this being in Denver, but the Broncos and Vic Fangio have said they still don't have a starting quarterback. The battle between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater rages on even into the third preseason game. I need your take since you're in Denver, Jacob. How do you feel about the Broncos not having a starting quarterback at this point? I thought we just always, after you read the story, we were just going to say, I'm glad we aren't them. <laughs> like some of those segments they do on weekly, on like ESPN, I'm blanking on what one it is where they always, all the guys on the anchor always say the same thing. Help me out, somebody. Come on, I'm man. Me. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. This, come on, man, segment. I thought that's what this was. You would read the story and we would just say, I'm glad we aren't then. Okay, just since I've used up a lot of time already, let me just keep it simple and say, if you have two two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And Sam, your opinion on the uh, quarterback war that rages on in Denver, Colorado? I'll just be over here peddling my book about how um, Elway has been trying to ruin the Broncos so no one remembers anybody but him. Bestseller coming up. (laughs) It's a great conspiracy theory. And if you one, have one, one quick other actual opinion on that one, Sean, to the actual specific situation, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he just doesn't work in the modern NFL. You know, he could get you to 18, 19 ish points a week, but the problem is you need to have something that's going to get you to 24, 25 a week to compete. Problem is, the other guy probably can't do that either. But he can win a rap battle. But he can't with with the very specific demographic of people, for sure. Second pick, second story today, the Jaguars' first-round pick, running back Travis Etienne, is out for the year with a Liz Franck injury. Glad we are, Jim. Now, what compounds this uh, in a big, big way is that the uh, Jaguars already have a, a running back, I'm blanking on the guy's name. I'm going to look it up while you guys talk about this, but they already have, I think it's James Robinson or something like that. I'll look it up. But, Correct. Last year's fantasy football free agent, darling. Yes, and he's really good. Like, he, he rushed for 1,000 yards. He, he caught over 300, received 300 yards. This is a really well-rounded running back. Like, what are you doing? And, and they wasted a first-round pick on another running back who is now out for the year with a Liz Frank injury, which as we saw with Larry Johnson can be career defining. So Sam, I'll come to you here. Your, your reaction to the Jaguars first round running back going down. Their first round pick was Trevor Lawrence. This was just a, let's make <laughs> Trevor Lawrence happy pick. So I don't think it's that big a deal. It's a running back in today's NFL. And Jacob, how do you feel about a first round running back going down when you could have picked Literally anybody else. I want to love Urban Meyer back to the NFL, but he's creating a 
college team with the Jaguars, which is what kind of scares me out. He did pick a couple other guys that I liked. So kudos to him for drafting Jordan Smith from UAB. I will gladly take my kudos for calling that one here in a little bit. But yeah, it was a silly pick. We knew it. We already, you know, had half regret ourselves from drafting a first round running back last year. So that can just tell you how we all feel about it. All right. And last one for the night. The Las Vegas Raiders sent a you up text message to the Chicago Bears inquiring on the availability of Khalil Mack. Glad we aren't them. And seeing what it would take to bring Khalil Mack to, to, well, not Oakland anymore, but Las Vegas this go around. Sam, your thoughts to the Vegas Raiders trying to bring back the defensive end that they gave away. I love having them in the AFC West. (laughs) That's all I have to say. (laughs) They're just a train wreck that is just, you can't take your eyes off it, but it's fun to watch. (laughs) And Jacob, your thoughts on the Raiders doing their best. Take me back to Khalil Mack. Listen, we all get curious and we Facebook search any sort of ex or someone we wonder about. It's when you send that message to them that you've gone too far. Real quick, Sean, I've got one to add to you guys. I'm glad I'm not them. Mitchell Schwartz crapping all over the Bears when he is potentially their only option to tackle. (laughs) Hey, man, if you're going to leave your number one quarterback open for a John Lynch love check, like you deserve to get crapped on. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for us tonight. We really appreciate you joining us here. We've got one more preseason game, and then we will be previewing actual football. So make sure you don't go anywhere. Stick with us each week. Until next time, y'all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.